0: Great to see you Purpose Church, how you doing? It's so good to be together uh, studying God's Word today. Uh, Today we're continuing our 2023 series in which we study the uh, 66 books of the Bible in 52 weeks. So some weeks we need to cover two books instead of just one and that's what we're going to do today. Title of our series is Jesus on Every Page. We're looking for Jesus in every book of the Bible. It's about Him. Uh, God's Word is about Him from cover to cover, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, is really the story of Jesus and how it impacts our story. Now the section of the Bible that we're in today is called the major prophets of the Old Testament. Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah with Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. So we're calling this series, within a series, we're calling it The Majors. And the title for today's study is Jeremiah, Jesus, Our uh, New Covenant. Jesus, our new covenant, and then also Lamentations, Jesus, our faithful Lord. And so we're covering both of those because uh, Jeremiah preached the Lamentations as well as uh, those uh, prophecies within the book of Jeremiah. Now, first of all, background for Jeremiah, Uh, the content. Judgment against Judah. Judah is the southern part of Israel. Uh, Israel uh, was referred to the northern part of what is today we would call the nation of Israel. The southern part was Judah. So judgment against Judah and the nations along with future hope interwoven with narratives of Jeremiah's role in the concluding days of Judah. Judah and its capital Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians in 586 B.C. The prophet, as we said, was Jeremiah, who was a priest from the village of Neanathoth, which is about three miles south of Jerusalem. Uh, The date that he wrote it uh, was from 627 BC to 585 BC, just after the fall of Jerusalem, in 586 BC. And then the emphasis is Judah's unfaithfulness to God will end in its destruction. In keeping with the promises of Deuteronomy, God has a bright future for his people, a time of restoration and a new covenant, God's own heart for his people revealed through the heart of Jeremiah. Uh, And then we have the background for Lamentations. Its content was a series of five laments over the fall of Jerusalem. The date, the exact date is unknown, but it was written by Jeremiah probably soon after the fall of Jerusalem in, again, 586 BC. Its emphasis is the deep personal suffering and spiritual agony experienced at the fall of Jerusalem, the justice of God in carrying out the overthrow of Zion, another name for uh, Israel or for Jerusalem, A uh, hope lies in God's character alone. Now, in 586, like I said, the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem, including the temple. Uh, They conquered Judah and took many people into exile back uh, to Babylon. Now, can you imagine the impact of this? And and, and to help us do that, imagine if in the 9-11 attacks, uh, the loss in addition to the Twin Towers and the four planes and damage uh, to the Pentagon. Imagine if in addition to, to that all of Washington DC was destroyed, like all of Jerusalem was destroyed, along with all of the national monuments in the way that the temple was destroyed. Uh, imagine if the United States was conquered by a foreign enemy, like Judah was conquered by the Babylonians and many Americans taken into captivity in the way that uh, the people of Judah were taken to Babylon into captivity. Imagine that. And that's the emotion behind the book of Lamentations. That's, That's why they're lamenting. That's why it was absolutely devastating to Jeremiah and the people of that time. Now let's look at Jesus in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 23 verse 5 the days are coming and whenever you see the phrase the days are coming that's a messianic that's a that's a messianic phrase it's a signal that it's going to be talking about the messiah The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And we saw last week in Isaiah that the branch is also a sign of the Messiah or a synonym for the Messiah uh, from the line of David, King David. A king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. And then it goes on to say in verse six, in his days, that is in the days of the Messiah, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Now, these next verses are considered one of the most important passages in the entire Old Testament. Uh, The Bible is divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament which means the old covenant uh, that God had with us, and then the new covenant that he had in Christ. Uh, You could call it the old deal with God. Uh, Salvation by works, by earning his favor. And then the new deal, salvation through Christ and Christ alone, his death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. So it's the New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. Old covenant, new covenant. Old deal, new deal. Do versus done. Done. The Old Testament is about what you must do to earn favor with God, to have a relationship with God. The New Testament about it is about what Christ has done for us on the cross. And now based on what Christ has done, now we live in a way to honor and, and to please him. Uh, this passage basically prophesies the New Testament, the New Covenant, uh, the New Deal. Uh, chapter 31, verse 31. The days are coming, and again, that's a signal that this is talking about the Messiah. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, a new deal, a a new testament with the people of Israel and with the people of of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors in the Old Testament when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. And it was by the shedding of the blood of the the Passover lamb that they were brought out of Egypt and they were forgiven. And and in the same way that uh, the Jewish people celebrate the Passover, the same way now with the salvation where he leads us out of Egypt through the death of Christ on the cross, now we share the Lord's Supper. So for the Old Covenant, uh, the way you would remember that is the Passover. The New Covenant, the way we remember that, is through the sharing of the Lord's uh, Supper, the bread representing his body, and the cup representing his his shed blood. But they broke my covenant. We couldn't keep the Old Testament law. It merely revealed to us that we needed a Savior and how we couldn't keep it in our own strength. Uh, We broke uh, the covenant the Old Testament covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. this is a picture of being born again, the Holy Spirit living within us so that God's laws are not something outside of us, but they're in our minds. They're, they're written on our hearts. We obey because uh, we've been forgiven. We respond to the grace of God uh, by obeying him and following after him with all of our hearts. Uh, I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor <coughs> or say to one another, know the Lord. Because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. No longer will there be a priest in between us and God. Now through Christ, we can go directly to God. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember, I will remember their sins no more. And then Jesus in the book of Lamentations. Uh, Jeremiah's lament over Jerusalem foreshadows Jesus' lament over Jerusalem that we see in Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus looks over Jerusalem and says Jerusalem Jerusalem you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you we're going to see that with the response to Jeremiah's preaching today how often i've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not you were not willing Look, your house is left to you uh, desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lamentations 2, verse 15. All who pass your way clap their hands at you. They scoff and shake their heads at daughter Jerusalem. After the fall and destruction of Jerusalem, their enemies scoffed at them. Uh, they mocked them. Uh, just like uh, they did uh, to Jesus on on the cross, uh, just like they did um, with the, with the, with Christ after he was hanging on the cross and during his trial, but just like Jesus gives hope at the end of his lament in Matthew, Jeremiah does the same in Lamentations chapter three, verse twenty two. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, for the remainder of our time, uh, let's look at the story of Jeremiah's life and the major theme of his life, which was this, holding on to what is right even when it is unpopular to do so. Holding on to what is right even when it is unpopular. I believe that (coughs) Jeremiah is just an incredible example for the day and age in which we live. I I believe this message today is so timely. Jeremiah is such a a perfect person to look at uh, facing what we face in our culture and in our nation today. Uh, There's a song we love to sing here at Purpose Church called These Are the Days of Elijah. (coughs) Some of the lyrics go like this. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming his flesh. I'll I'll preach on Ezekiel next Sunday. And these are the days of your servant David, rebuilding a temple of praise. I believe that we are no longer in the days of Isaiah, (coughs) but we are now in the days of Jeremiah. We're no longer in the days of Isaiah. We are now in the days of Jeremiah. You say, Glenn, what in the world do you mean by that? Well, Isaiah, who we studied last week, preached in Judah a hundred years before Jeremiah preached in Judah. And Judah was a very different place when Isaiah preached to them than when Jeremiah preached. Preached to them, they had gone further from God. They had they had gone after other idols, uh, after idols. They had gone after other gods. Uh, Judah, around 700 BC, when Isaiah preached, was like America a hundred years ago, when many more people identified as Christians. There, there was much more of what we would call a cultural Christianity. Judah, around 600 BC hundred years later, when uh, Jeremiah preached, was more like America today, where there are fewer people who identify as Christians, and our culture is possibly entering into a post-Christian era. Now, we are doing everything we can to prevent that from happening. But uh, it is a different place. I think we'd all agree that our country is a different place than it was a hundred years ago spiritually. So in Isaiah's time, like our previous history in America, Christian beliefs were more popular than they are today. So the Word of God was was more well-received during the time of Isaiah than a hundred years later it was during the time of Jeremiah. In the same way God's Word was better received a hundred years ago in general in America than it is today. I remember just not too many years ago when Billy Graham, was uh, among the list of the most admired Americans. Year after year, he'd be up there with the president or or with the first lady uh, of the country. Time and time again, uh, Billy Graham, uh, the Baptist preacher, would be towards the top of that list. Can you imagine a Baptist preacher in America uh, being considered one of the most admired and popular people in America today? And that And that's just happened within the last few decades. So that's why I say that today, we are more in the days of Jeremiah than we are in the days of Isaiah. In Jeremiah's time, his message was very unpopular. So he is an example for us today of holding on to what is right, even when it is unpopular. And that's why I say that I think this message is so timely today, to look at the life and ministry of Jeremiah because it is so similar to what we are called to today. These are the days of Jeremiah. And looking at his life and his ministry prepares us to serve in this time and place in which God has placed us as well. So with that in mind, let's, let's do an overview of Jeremiah's, uh, let's look at his life. Let's do an overview of his life. First of all, Jeremiah's call. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me, uh, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Okay, let's look at that one more time. Uh, Let's go back to the verse one more time. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you even before his birth, as as his purpose for his life as a prophet to the nations. Now that's true for you as well. Uh, God knew you. He had a plan for your life. He had a purpose for you. He had a calling on your life even before you were born. Now, here you are at six weeks. I will put those pictures up there. Uh, Here you are at six weeks. Here you were at 15 weeks, here you were at 20 weeks, and here you were at 40 weeks. This is what you look like, and that's what every uh, human being looks like. It's six weeks, 15 weeks, 20 weeks, and 40 weeks. Now, uh, talk about something that's unpopular to believe today. Talk about something where we're in the days of Jeremiah, and where a biblical view on life and when it begins is many times an unpopular view within our country today. The great debate in our nation today is which of these babies are humans? Uh, Which of these babies are known by God, set apart by God, and appointed by God? God throughout the scriptures, from cover to cover, would say that all of them, and everyone in between, are known by him, set apart by him, and appointed by him. We go on to verse six. Jeremiah responds to the call and says, "'Alas, Sovereign Lord, I said, "'I do not know how to speak, I am too young.'" He was about 20 years old, we believe, when this call came to him and said, I'm just, I'm just, I'm too young, going on to verse uh, seven. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. And we're gonna see in a moment why he had an occasion uh, to be afraid of the people that would oppose his message. For I am with you and I will rescue you uh, declares the Lord. Verse nine. Then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. And you know the same thing is true for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, God has has touched your mouth and says to you, I have put my words in your mouth. This is not just for preachers. This is for Everyone. Every follower of Jesus has a message to carry uh, to those around you. At your work, at school, in your neighborhood, in your family. You have a calling before birth, just like Jeremiah had a calling as well. Now, here's Jeremiah's message, which is also uh, your message to share as well. And our message, uh, Jeremiah 2, verse 13. My people have committed two sins, God says, They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, their own water wells, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Uh, We've turned away from God, the the living water, and we've we've dug our own cisterns instead of God. And these cisterns are cracked, and they allow water to seep out so they don't hold water long-term. They don't satisfy your thirst long-term. Jeremiah 9, verse 23, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom. Some people build cisterns of their own wisdom or intelligence, Uh, or the strong boast of their strength. Some people build cisterns of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. Let's hold this verse there for just a moment. They build those three cisterns. And I tell you, over time, those cisterns, those water wells, they leak. Over time, you're not as sharp mentally as you once were. Take it from me, an old guy. Uh, you, you lose some of your intelligence, your sharpness as the years go by. You're not as strong as the years go by. That cistern leaks as well. Money has a way of of disappearing on you. Money leaks, strength leaks, intelligence, uh, sharpness, mental acuity leaks over time. And so God says, don't build those kind of cisterns. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches but now we go to verse 24 here's what he says but let the one who boasts boast about this that they have the understanding to know me that I am the lord who exercises kindness justice and righteousness on earth replace a, a dependence on wisdom with kindness a, a dependence on strength with justice a dependence on on um, uh, wisdom and and, and strength and riches, replace that with righteousness. Kindness, justice, and righteousness for riches, uh, strength, and wisdom. For in these I delight, says the Lord, and these will satisfy you long-term. Now, this is not a popular message. So it leads to Jeremiah's uh, sufferings. Um, Jeremiah's message would threaten the religious establishment and cultural status quo, uh, just like Jesus would do 600 years later. Jeremiah 20, verse 1, when the priest, Pasher, son of Imner, the official in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. He heard his message and he didn't like it. He had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Now stocks, we don't use those the same way, pillory and stocks. um, This is a picture probably from colonial uh, times. It was a way of uh, putting your body in a position that it would be uncomfortable. And that's after they had beaten him, uh, that's what they did to Jeremiah. So this leads to Jeremiah's complaint. And some of the most honest words in, in all the Bible, are from Jeremiah. This is why Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. People were surrounding him like a pack of wolves, just like Jesus um, it was, it was surrounded by people looking for a way to attack him, looking for any mistake he, he might make, which he would never make a mistake, but even if he told the truth, like the fact that he was the son of God, they were just looking for ways to attack him and eventually to crucify him. And yet despite this, despite his complaint, he's going to say, I just can't stop myself. I've got to share God's word. Very much like Paul, who later on uh, said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Jeremiah 20, verse 7. You deceived me, Lord. Oh, these these are some of the strongest words anybody ever has to God in all of the Bible. But he says, you tricked me. You called me to this calling to share your word and it's way more unpopular than I thought it would be and the reaction has been far more negative than I thought it would be. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. You you pressured me uh, to be your prophet. I'm ridiculed all day long and everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. This is what God told him. To prophesy that God's judgment was about to fall on Jerusalem because they had turned their backs on God. This was the message and it wasn't a popular message. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. And my friends, put air quotes around friends, are waiting for me to slip, to to make a mistake, saying perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. Even, Even his friends. But, but, the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. Do you ever feel discouraged that following Christ is more and more unpopular in this day and age? Do you ever get weary? Do you ever complain to God like Jeremiah did? And you say, "Uh, why was I born in the days of Isaiah? Why was I born in in a time when it was easier to follow Christ? God has called you for such a time as this, Who knows that you've been put into the position where you are at work or at school or in your neighborhood for such a time as this. And we cry out to God and we complain. But remember, you can't help but share the good news about Jesus, even when it's more and more difficult. You can't help but share the truth of God's word, even when it's more and more unpopular to do so. But it's like fire in your bones, But here's the hope. The Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Yet, despite feeling this way, Jeremiah still finds a way to encourage the people he's preaching to. Jeremiah's encouragement. Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, God's judgment is coming. You're going to be taken into exile in Babylon, but it's going to be over in 70 years. And all these prophecies were fulfilled in incredible timing and incredible detail. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. I'll bring you home to Israel once again. And whatever you're going through right now, it may be hard, but God promises in the end he's going to work it together for your good. And then some of the most beloved words in all the Bible, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, the first time it was shared, Jeremiah's book is rejected. Uh, We have in the Jeremiah story one of the most awful rejections of God's Word that that you've ever seen within God's Word. The king sent Jehudi to get the scroll because Jeremiah was initially written on a scroll. And Jehudi brought it from the room of Elishama, the secretary, and read it to the king and all the officials standing beside him. It was the ninth month, which meant it was about December, uh, according to their calendar back then. And the king was sitting in the winter apartment. Israel's um, uh, climate is very similar to ours in Southern California, so December is a rainy, colder month. And so he was sitting in the winter apartment with a fire burning in the fire pot in front of him. Whenever Jehudi had read three or four columns of the scroll the king cut them off with a scribe's knife and threw them into the fire pot until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. The king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. Even though, and and there's always some faithful people, even during the most difficult times, there are still people that are faithful to God, an old-purpose oh, church. May we be those people, no matter how unpopular it comes to follow Christ. As for me and my house, as for me and my church, we're going to serve the Lord. And here are three of them. Elnathan, Deliah, and Gamaria urged the king not to burn the scroll. He would not listen to them. Instead, the king commanded Jeremiel, a son of the king, Sariah, son of Azrael, and Shemelia, son of Abdeel, to arrest Baruch the scribe that had written the book of Jeremiah with Jeremiah dictating to him, and Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord had hidden them. And God will hide you, will protect his people um, until our work for him is done. John Wesley says we are immortal until our work for Christ is done. And so God's work for Jeremiah was not done yet. And so the Lord hid Jeremiah from them so that they couldn't do harm to him. God will protect his people and he will protect his word. He will protect his people and he will protect his word. God tells Baruch the scribe and Jeremiah to make another copy to replace the original. So God's word, the book of Jeremiah, was preserved. You know, no book has had so many attacks on it. And so many uh, attempts to eliminate it, uh, like, like the Bible. But the Bible is the bestseller, has been the bestseller around the world for every year since it was in its existence. Since it's been in existence, the Bible has been the bestseller worldwide every single year. Research conducted by the British and Foreign Bible Society in 2021 suggests that between five and seven billion copies of the Bible have been produced over the past 1,500 years. The French philosopher Voltaire once said, a hundred years from my death, the Bible will be a museum piece. A hundred years after his death, the French Bible Society set up its headquarters in Voltaire's old home in Paris and Voltaire's own printing press was used to print copies of the Bible. And then Jeremiah is is rescued. Jeremiah keeps preaching. So they throw him into a cistern or into a well, but his work for God is not finished yet, so he is still immortal, like John Wesley said. Chapter 38, verse six. Uh, they, so they took Jeremiah and put him in the cistern of Malchijah, the king's son which was in the courtyard of the guard, they lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud, and Jeremiah sank down into the mud. But ebed melech a Cushite, that means he was from Africa, so an African named ebed melech who was an official in the royal palace, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern. And so he gets his people together. So ebed melech took the men with him and went to a room under the treasury of the palace. He took some old rags and worn out clothes from there and let them down with ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. ebed Melech the Cushite said to Jeremiah, put these old rags and worn out clothes under your arms to pad the ropes. So Jeremiah did so, um, and they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern. I want to close with Hebrews chapter 11, which is uh, a hall of fame for the heroes of the faith. And it is a list primarily of the great victories that God's people have had down through the, the, the years. The first 34 verses are just one great victory after another. But then we get <clears throat> to verse 35, where it talks about the others, Verse 35, Hebrews chapter 11. Women received back their dead and raised to life again. So we're still in the first 34 and a half verses where it's all victory. There were others, however, others who didn't live in the days of Isaiah. They lived in the days of Jeremiah. Their time was not a time when God's message was popular, it was unpopular. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Verse 36. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sought in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And he says in verse 38. The world was not worthy of them. Writer of Hebrews doesn't say that about all the ones with the tremendous victories. He saves that accolade for those that were the others that served God during more difficult, unpopular times. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Lord, we are on the threshold of a new week today. First day of the week, Sunday. We're on the threshold of a new, of a new week Lord, would you help us to hold on to what is right, even when it is unpopular. Thank you for the example of Jeremiah. May we follow his example and hold on to what is right, even when it is unpopular. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and wherever you are watching or listening right now, if you agree with me, We just say out loud together, amen and amen.